When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love Premium, episode 77. Today's episode is all about opening yourself up to channeling. This will give you the ability to create your reality in a very real way because the energy charges you up. It makes you bigger. It makes you more powerful. This is how you let go of your identity. This is how you let go of that the intellect, which thinks it knows everything, which likes to put things in little boxes because it makes it feel safe. Right? The intellect for a lot of people is like a pedestal they put themselves on. Like, oh, I know this. Oh, I know that. Oh, I'm so certain about everything. If I'm certain about everything, I'm safe because the unknown can't get me because people are terrified of the unknown. Let your experience be what tells you about the truth. If you're new to Mind Love, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And here's your personal reminder to tap that little subscribe button. That way, you'll get reminders to give your mind a little love when new episodes release. And if you love the show, consider leaving a five-star review. These help me entice all the amazing guests that you hear on the show. What if there was a way to access truth on demand without research or schooling or reaching outside of yourself at all? Well, what if I told you there is? I've been reading this really amazing book called The Divine Matrix, and what I love about it is that it bridges the gaps between some of the hard-to-believe spiritual concepts with new findings in science. There are four discoveries in new physics that the book sheds light on. The first is that there is a field of energy that connects all of creation. This is a scientific discovery, so suddenly, for the skeptics out there, this makes the Akashic Records that much more feasible. And the Akashic Records, if you don't know, are believed to be an energetic library of information that contains the details of your soul and its journey, along with everyone else's. Sounds like a field of energy that connects all things, right? Or think about telepathy. If there's a field of energy that connects all things, then tapping into that to connect with someone across the world right now without technology also seems more believable. Or what about tapping into more subtle energies? Is it possible within this field of energy, there are other energies that we can't see? I have a fun fact for you. Did you know the entire rainbow of radiation observable to the human eye only makes up a tiny portion of the electromagnetic spectrum? about 0.0035%. So any colors or frequencies beyond that 0.0035%, we can't even see. Does that mean that we're only seeing a fraction of a percent of the life and energy that really exists around us? I mean, just a dose of mushrooms will unlock a little bit of that, but how much? Well, the second big scientific discovery in the divine matrix is that this field of energy plays the role of a container, a bridge, and a mirror for the beliefs within us, meaning our beliefs shape what we're even able to see. We project those beliefs and create a reality that confirms them. Anyone see the leaked CIA documents talking about the holographic universe? 
could be related, but who knows? This is one of the biggest reasons I try to stay open-minded, even when something seems out there or far-fetched. I don't want to automatically close myself off to something that could be possible and then therefore not see it at all. One of the things that has helped me open my mind to the things I was closed off to through my upbringing is the existence of channelers. I can't say for sure that all channelers are legit, but I can say with conviction that there are some I'd bet all my cards on. Paul Selig is one of those who has been a life changer for me. He's been on the show a few times, so if you haven't checked out those episodes, they are episodes 38, 143, and 200. Also, Lee Harris and Aaron Worley or Gary Bodley, all of them have been on the podcast as well and have brought just incredible wisdom through their abilities. And the thing is, when the resounding message is based in love, you can feel the truth in it. There have been times that I feel like I tap into some other energy and suddenly a monologue comes pouring out and I take myself by surprise. But I am not at the point where I can tap into that at will. At least I don't think. And maybe that's why I can't, because I don't think I can. (laughs) Well, one thing that all of these channelers seem to agree on is that there are things that you can do to access this ability. So today we're talking about opening ourselves up to channeling. And our guest is Tyler Ellison. He is a licensed acupuncturist, a ceremonial magician, a Tao alchemist, and a cosmic channeler. The entity that he channels most often is a Sasani being called Ryok. So we'll hear all about that. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now let's welcome Tyler Ellison to the show. Hey, Melissa, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm really intrigued to talk to you today. I have always been intrigued by channelers, and I shouldn't really say always, because the belief system I grew up with was like, all of that is not possible. Not only that, it's a blasphemy to the religion. (laughs) And so then my experience in my 20s of seeking a broader spirituality, one that felt more aligned with who I was, then I started getting so interested in all of the things that would that could be and all of the ways that people were expressing and connecting to that whatever they believe is kind of greater than themselves. And so a previous guest, Derek Loudermilk, recommended you highly. So I'm curious, how did you originally become interested in channeling and then eventually open up that ability for yourself? Yeah, so great question. So I uh, 
first started channeling in 2014, and I really was introduced to channeling through the New Age movement. Uh, there was a particular channeler I was really into named Bashar, or actually Bashar is the entity. The channel is a man named Daryl Anka, and I was exposed to his information probably back in 2011, and I started applying a lot of what I heard, and I found quickly through applying the channeled information he had brought through, so much of my life changed pretty much overnight. It sent me on this sort of hero's journey where I really got to invest all of my time, all of my energy into cultivating myself, my spiritual practice, my business, my alternative medicine career. I got to just have this massive window where I could just train and through applying the information that entity had delivered, my whole life became insanely magical. And that's when I was like, there's something real to this. This isn't just like airy fairy, you know, fluff information. There's real practical tips and suggestions and things you can do in your life that can give you results. When I saw how powerful that was, I wanted to learn how to do that for myself so I could be my own source of information, right? I wanted to be able to bring those things through because really I feel if we're always listening to external sources for what to do, how to live, there's a dimension of uh, disempowerment in that. You know, it's great to listen to teachers. I have teachers, I have mentors, I'm constantly learning, I constantly am absorbing information, but there's some things where I'm like, another person can never tell me this, only I can give myself this kind of information. So I wanted to learn how to channel so I could bring stuff through to guide me on my path of destiny, right? Which I believe we're all on, we're all on some type of path of higher destiny. It's aligned with our purpose, it's aligned with why we're here. And that was why I got into it. And I was working with entities that are called Pleiadians. This is a group that is commonly channeled today. And they are seen as a very loving, spiritually evolved types of beings. And there's even Native American traditions that claim to have come to earth from there. So there's a huge relationship humanity has had for a long time with that star system, the Pleiades, and the beings from it. So I first began channeling them. And if anyone's interested in learning to channel, they tend to be easier to channel because they have such a strong relationship with our species already. And at a certain point in time, maybe a year or so after that experience, um, I had a, a UFO encounter uh, that was very similar to the UFO encounter uh, Daryl Anka had, who also you know, is the channel who really got me and started through inspiration. And this UFO encounter was with multiple people on the highway. This was in Connecticut. And it was like straight up out of a movie. Like this thing is hovering above the tree canopy. It's a triangular, it's a black triangle with lights on the sides, but it's just hovering. When I first saw it, I thought it was like one of those tall lights you would see in a parking lot. I thought I was seeing that through the trees, but then I realized this is above the trees. There's no urban infrastructure, no commercial infrastructure. This is just nature. There's a hovering black triangle with lights on it. And I'm with my coworkers. We worked at a solar company and we were driving back from doing our canvassing, going door to door. We're all looking at it. No one's saying anything because we, what do you say to that? I mean, we have no reference for what that is. And um, someone was finally like, do you guys see that? And everyone was like, yep. And uh, it was odd because I think it was so alien for people. No one really spoke about it. Being a person who had been channeling Pleiadians, listening to these other ET channelers, I like knew exactly what I was seeing. I was like, this is 
whatever is coming through these channels. These are the things that are coming through people when they're channeling ETs. And I was seeing it. So I was getting real life evidence, real life experience that this stuff's not all in my head. There is a reality. There's a substance to it. And after that, I started dedicating myself to channeling the beings known as the Sasani beings. And these are the beings that uh, Daryl Anka Bashar channels. Before him, uh, there was an entity named Ilan that was also of that world. There's not many people channeling them. They're more of a, I would say, rarity in the channeling community. But listening to Ilan and Bashar, I knew, okay, whatever that is, is connected to them. And they're saying hi to me. So I don't think that's random. So I started focusing my channeling training on connecting to them, connecting to the Sasani entities. I did that long enough. And eventually the entity that is using the term Ryok came through. And that's the entity I currently channel. Uh, He claims to be of that civilization. He has told me the craft was very much connected to him. And there's so much, you know, going on with this, you know, because with channeling, we are working with the invisible world. We're working primarily with the astral realm. The astral realm is really the realm of dreams. This is your imagination. This is the realm of visualization. Uh, some people would say this is the, the DMT realm, right? Just the pure spirit realm. And that realm to me is a realm of symbolism, you know? So even though I'm having these experiences and I'm channeling this information, I like to look at these things without becoming dogmatic. I like to look at these things really in a fresh way where I say, what's coming through is useful, what's coming through is good. However, because this is coming from the realm of dreams, because it's coming from the imagination realm, it's important I test it. It's important I really do things in my life that can invalidate or validate what I experience. Otherwise, I feel I'm at risk of just believing anything and everything. Because as we know, the mind can be a great tool, but it can also mislead us. It can give us divine information, but it can also just project our bias and our ego. So with the Ryok information, I always tell people, see things symbolically. It could be literal, you know, but see things symbolically and test the things that are given. Don't just take things at face value. Otherwise, this is no different than you know, the kinds of religions you had mentioned earlier. You know, so I like to approach these things scientifically where narratives may be given. But before I buy into a narrative, I'm going to test it. I'm going to research and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure there's a substance behind what's coming through. And I got to say, a lot of what Ryok has brought through, I say there is a lot of substance behind it because I do the things that he suggested. People do the things that he suggested and they get real results. Changes happen. And that's the point because if spirituality does not give you results, if it's not making your life more magical, if it's not helping you heal, if it's not waking you up to the fact that you are the divine playing dress up in a body, then it's not, in my opinion, a powerful spiritual practice. It kind of falls into the category of just feel good techniques. And a lot of things can make you feel good. Alcohol makes you feel good. Massages make you feel good. Those things might not spiritually evolve you. So I I definitely create a distinction between feel good techniques and spiritual growth. Some spiritual growth makes you feel like you're dying. That's what the ego death is. Right? Your sense of self crumbles. And that's because spiritual practice is practice for dying. It's practice for going into whatever is next. We don't know what's next, but if you die skillfully, which is dying in a meditative state, in a peaceful state, in an aligned state, 
then at least you're walking into the next chapter with that as your momentum. So I just wanted to give some thoughts here because the channeling is just one dimension of what I do. It's a primary dimension, but I'm also a ceremonial magician. I practice Taoist magic. I teach Qigong meditation. I mean, that's these techniques are how I became a channeler, you know, and it's what helps me stay in a healthy, aligned space while I'm doing the channeling. Because as I said, the channeling is coming from that imagination realm, that astral realm, and it's important to be able to differentiate between like genuine information, ego projection. Because, you know, channelers are humans, you know, they are also subjects to the same flaws other people are. So that's the point of the spiritual practice and the training to make sure the information is as pure as possible. Um, so that's about how I, that's a little bit of how I got started a little bit about my backstory and really what I do uh, to express my destiny here on earth. That's amazing. Okay. I'm curious about when you first started opening yourself up to channeling, what was that first experience like? Were you sure, like I just channeled information or was it one of those things where I'm new to this? I'm trying to figure out if this is real. Uh, how was it for you? constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? 
It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash mindlove. When you first started opening yourself up to channeling, how was it for you? It was actually a bit of both where when I first was channeling, I wasn't connecting to like what I would call perhaps an external intelligence. I was connecting to the characters from a dream that I had. I had a very impactful dream. This was probably 2013, maybe right around 2013, 20, probably 2014, it's been a few years ago, almost seven years now, but I, which is crazy. Time has really flown. It feels like I was just in high school yesterday, so it's, it's wild. But in this dream, I encountered what, what I can only describe as angelic types of beings. They were these two beautiful women that were walking on a beach, and I was just so captivated by them, and I felt so nourished and loved by them. So I'm hanging out with them and talking to them. I don't know what we were talking about. I can't remember that part, but I remember – Right near the end of the dream, I look at them and I say, so can I talk to you both again? And they immediately dematerialize into light and they start pixelating. The light starts to glow and it encompasses the whole room we're in in the dream. And my whole vision is overwhelmed with white light and it wakes me up. It wakes me up. But the feeling doesn't end with the dream. It's almost like I'm laying down in bed. The feeling was so strong, I sit up in my bed. Like the feeling pushed me up. Like I was like, whoa, what, what is this? Like what is happening? I was so in awe over what I experienced. I was like, I need to know what that is. And I had uh, started taking some courses online, learning how to channel. And I was like, well, let's see if I can channel that. Let's see what comes through. And I ended up going into the, the channeling state and I connected to each of the characters from the dream. And it was amazing. I was so impressed because I got, it was almost like I had a session with the dream interpreter, but the dream interpreter was myself where they were like, this symbol is this, this symbol is that, this is what they both mean. And I'm like, and it all made total sense. It was all logical. Like all of it. I was like, I can totally see how these symbols and the meanings that were channeled are completely connected. That's when I knew, okay, this is real. This is a substantial thing. And I just started practicing and I then began to practice channeling fictional characters that were a part of a story I was writing to assist me in bringing more creative energy into the story. And then that's when I was like, okay, the story is pretty much writing itself. What else is possible? I was like, well, let me try connecting to Pleiadians. A friend of mine had given me a channel book by them and it was great. So I was like, let's see if I can connect to them. My first time channeling Pleiadians, I got a hit, which means I got something in the external reality that verified what I was doing. And the hit was the name that they gave me. I go into the state, I bring them through, and they're like, hello there, we are Mira, M-I-R-A. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they brought through some beautiful information. And then I got on the internet, and I'm like, Mira Pleiadians. And sure enough, other people are channeling that. And that's when I was like, okay, there's this is a real thing. I'm not just deluding myself. I'm not just, you know, uh, absorbed into a fantasy. There is something real happening here. And that's how I got started with this. And those were my first couple 
exposures to the channeling state and bringing information through. So you said that you were taking some courses to open yourself up from for channeling. What are some yeah. of the practices that allow people to get into a state to be receptive to information like that? My hunch is that everyone teaches channeling a little bit differently, but I would describe it like this. One of the most important practices that I recommend people learn, this comes from the tradition of Taoism. These aren't religious practices, even though Taoism is a religion. Its origins are shamanistic. This is the shamanistic tradition of East Asia, one of them, not the only one. And then it became in what is now China, right, a formalized religion with deities, gods, religious practices, so on and so forth. Um, but this practice is not a religious practice. It's specifically an energetic practice that's designed to awaken you. I tell people to practice what is called the microcosmic orbit because this is a technique based in energy circulation. You're opening up the energy channels in your body and the major points on the channels, what people might call the chakras in more of a yogic tradition. You're opening these things up and you clear the energy body. You make space in it and you then practice circulating energy in your system. This is one of the basic things I recommend to people because when we have a psychological blockage, right, or some type of uh, uh, complex that's creating challenges in our lives, it manifests as a subtle energy block. To think of a subtle energy block, just think of it in a more materialistic way if that helps you. The nerve complexes that correspond with the chakras are being perhaps overstimulated with negativity and are being influenced by what we would call imbalanced or perhaps negatively correspondent neurotransmitters and hormones, right? So for more materialistic people, that's the way you can think of the energy body. That's the way you can think of the chakras. Um, so I tell people, focus on that, open those things up, circulate the orbit, and that's gonna transform these blockages. It's gonna transform your life, your energy levels, how you feel, how you think. And that's essential for being a channel because if we're all knotted up inside, information's not gonna flow through. When entities or intelligences are sharing information through a channel, that information is manifesting first as a subtle energy that moves through the channel's body. And then as it makes its way into the throat area where you have your vocal cords, then it's translated right into sound. Then it's translated into words. But in order for that energy to be appropriately translated, the person's energy body needs to be healthy. It needs to be clear. Chi or prana, whatever you like to call it, subtle energy, needs to be able to move through the system effectively. So the microcosmic orbit's a big one. I also tell people to practice what is known as the five organ inner smile. And this is a practice of bringing your attention into your body and you visualize different colors in your organs. You smile into your body, you think of love, bliss, and joy, and you inhale, you charge your organs like batteries with these energies, so you become a vessel for bliss, a vessel for positivity. Right now, most people are doing kind of the opposite of the inner smile practice. They're doing the inner frowning practice, where they're thinking negative thoughts, they're having negative feelings, and their organs are holding that, and it makes people sick. You know, negative energy is not benign. That can hurt people, and we see it, whether that be a person hurting themselves through holding on to it or building up so much they throw it at someone else. You know, So negative energy is a toxic energy, it, and that's something that it can be physically measured. It's one of the reasons why stress is one of the biggest decreasers of lifespan. So most people are already kind of doing you know, the inner smile but the opposite version. You know, they're doing it unconsciously. But once you know how to bring your attention and how to bring your chi and your love into your body, 
Now you're being skillful with your energy and now you get control. You get control of what happens inside of you. It doesn't have to be random. doesn't have to be influenced by the outside world. You get to become a thermostat instead of being a thermometer, right? In terms of how you feel, how you think. You get to adjust the dial. So I teach people as well as a basic, the inner smile. And both of these meditations can be found online. You know, I didn't make them up, as I said, right? These are very ancient meditations, but they're beginner meditations. They're easy to do. Anyone can learn. They got to be done every day. It's just like exercise. You know, if you just do it once a week, it's not going to do too much. But if you make it a practice, then it becomes your life. And once it's your life, not only do you become happier and healthier, but you become capable of all types of wonderful things that are of the energetic world, such as channeling. So how does somebody know where they're holding a potential blockage that they might have within their chakra system or that subtle energy body? Like say, how do I know if my blockage is at my root chakra versus my heart chakra, for example? Okay, sure. An easy way to figure this out, and there's a few different ways. You know, This is one way though. If you're familiar with body scanning, right? Feeling your body, bringing your mind inside of yourself, starting at the top of the head and going down. That's a way you can actually detect where you're blocked. If you bring your body scanning awareness gradually down from the top of your head, down your whole body, anywhere in your body, you can't feel. That's where you have a blockage. Anywhere where it feels like there's an energetic numbness, that's where there's a blockage. Anywhere where there's also the opposite of numbness, perhaps you detect a very strong emotion. Your butt, you're scanning your body and all of a sudden you're in your throat and you feel fear or something like this. That's how you know there's another blockage. So there will either be a negative feeling or absence of feeling when you're scanning into yourself. That's how you know what part of your body really needs your attention. That's where the blockage is. That makes sense. I was actually doing a body scan the other day and this might be TMI, but I was PMSing majorly and I could just feel it right up my heart and right up my root. And I was like, I just need to sit here. <laughs> I meditated and uh, I learned a, a meditation, a chakra balancing meditation from Joe Dispenza that I found really helpful. And it was really a lot of just focusing on each one of those chakras individually, first focusing on kind of the center core of it and then the space around it and then going back to the center core of it and then moving up and doing the same thing at each one. And I will say that I felt so much more open. It's weird. I can almost feel it happening again, just kind of reliving that moment. But it can be a really powerful thing. I will say, though, that now my experience doing that versus when I was first learning it years and years ago was very different. And I think part of it is because of my belief in the practice. And I find that when I was first starting out with some of these teachings and some and understanding things in a way where like I said, my upbringing was not just that this isn't true or like psychics don't exist or whatever, but it's not even to be looked at because it's it's wrong to do. And so I had a resistance there, even though my resistance was kind of turning on my old religion. <laughs> but I, there was just still this like kind of subtle block regardless. And so I wonder for people that are new to this information that might have a lot of doubt or skepticism about it, how does that affect their practice with it? Mm -hmm. And also how would you coach somebody into moving through that so they can still feel the real effects while kind of combating that skepticism? Yeah. Well, this is what I would say. Be skeptical. Like that's fine. If you want to be skeptical, be fine but be like a scientist, do the practice, do it every day, do it for three months, every day, don't skip a day. And 
your skepticism will change. You know, really, when people have negative judgments about these practices, yes, it can cancel out some of the effects for sure, because negative energy is negative energy, right? That's going to be grinding against the positive spiritual energy you're bringing through. So psychically, it will limit the efficacy for sure. But really, people's judgments about these things, I find the biggest obstacle the judgments present is that it deters people from even doing it. They just write it off. But if you're like, I want to give this a go, I'm super skeptical, I'm a rational, reasonable person, but it seems to be helping people, let me try it. You can hold on to that skepticism, but do these things every day, do them fully, commit to them. And what I would also say too is in addition to practices like this, which are energetic, it's also important to make sure you are doing a meditation practice. So the types of things I'm talking about, inner smile, microcosmic orbit, these are what we call energy meditations, right? They are sort of like visualizations combined with breath work to create effects. So it's a type of meditation, but you're using the dimensions of mind that are a part of visualization, imagination. What I'd also recommend is make sure you are doing a deep meditation practice where you are dissolving your identity, you're dissolving your beliefs, you are dissolving everything you think you know. You're just letting go of it all going inside, connecting to the darkness, the stillness, that void space that we feel inside of ourselves, right? It's like you shut your eyes, it's almost like a black hole. It's like everything's off. It's like connect with that space more. Make sure you're doing that because the energy circulation practices make you more powerful. This is why you know they, they were banned. This is why certain governments went after people. This is why the communist revolution happened in China. They tried to exterminate Taoists. That's not just because they're anti-religion. It's because Taoists are incredibly powerful. I mean, these are like the shamanic people of China. This stuff works. This will give you the ability to create your reality in a very real way because the energy charges you up. It makes you bigger. It makes you more powerful. So if a person's holding on to skepticism, negativity, uh, judgment about the practices, and then they're doing the practices, it's going to make those things more powerful. It's going to make them bigger. You know, um, it's why... These things were also kept secret in ancient days. So people who were not purifying themselves of negativity wouldn't be able to access this, right? Before most people even got this stuff, it was all purification practices because these things make everything bigger. They just expand you, amplify you. So when you do these types of seated meditation practices where you're letting go of everything, this is a purification technique. This is how you let go of your identity. This is how you let go of that the intellect, which thinks it knows everything, which likes to put things in little boxes because it makes it feel safe, right? The intellect for a lot of people is like a pedestal they put themselves on. Like, oh, I know this. Oh, I know that. Oh, I'm so certain about everything. If I'm certain about everything, I'm safe because the unknown can't get me because people are terrified of the unknown because really the ultimate unknown is death. People are scared of death. So they use knowledge to hide from the unknown primarily because they're hiding from death. Their ego does not want to die, and their ego thinks when they the body dies, it dies. In a sense, it kind of does, but you don't because you're not the intellect. You're not the ego. You're not the body. You're something that can't even be named. Those types of practices, seated meditation practices where you're dissolving, are essential, and that is what will allow for those judgments, beliefs, uh, senses of superiority or inferiority to go away. And that's probably the top thing I'd recommend here. And the key is let your experience be the proof. Let your experience be what tells you about the truth. 
not beliefs. People believe all types of stuff. Most of the time, it's not true. It's just, it doesn't hold up against the reality. So let the reality teach you. Let life teach you. That would be my biggest suggestion there. Yeah, I love that. I have found that when I immerse myself in something, or mostly that my goal used to be finding this big objective truth. I I was determined to read things from so many different uh, religions and thought practices and, and faiths. And I thought that whatever all of them have in common was probably closest to the truth. And that's I think that's right on some level. And on the other, I'm understanding that so much of life is subjective. Even what we think of as truth is interpreted differently by different people. And because we're all expressions of this one pure consciousness. And so we're supposed to think of things completely differently. That is why we're here is to experience reality on a full spectrum from every single angle. And so now I, I wonder there's things coming out like random CIA leaks about how the world is a hologram. And I was going back into some of Greg Braden's teachings about how the world is a hologram and how it's really like we have this universe inside of ourselves that we're continuously projecting. And so I'm always curious, where does the projection overlap versus where is it individual? When does it kind of separate those realities? It's just like this fascinating subject that I'm not sure my little human will ever fully understand. Where does the projection overlap versus where is it individual? When does it kind of separate those realities? This is what I'll say. Um, Yes, your belief systems will create a certain level of reality. And what I mean by that is belief systems exist in what we call the mental level. Belief systems are mental constructs. And what they do is they shift your perspective so you can look at things differently. But not always are those belief systems totally in alignment with the nature of reality. But – Through buying into these ideas, you will shift your worldview, and it will inspire you to treat people a certain way. It will inspire you to treat yourself a certain way, and it will alter your decision-making. So in that way, your beliefs do create your reality, right? But as you know, many people believe they're like wonderful people, and they can be quite the opposite, right? (laughs) Many people believe, you know, going on a crusade is the best way to serve the divine. But as we know, that's monstrous and terrible. So – their belief systems weren't true, but their belief systems did create their reality. So belief systems can be total BS, but it will create your reality. Your belief systems can be based in what you would describe as virtues, what you would describe as divine insight and knowledge. And when you buy into ideas that are like that, then it starts to align your worldview and your perspective with the perspective of the divine, which is the, it's the perspective of the infinite. And that's when you start to see life as life really is, which is magical. Life is like a fantasy story. I mean, this is the most magical experience that could ever be because it's really the only experience that is. We're all just having different points of views in that one experience. Uh, Eventually, the key is to abandon belief systems, right? Because beliefs, like I said, are designed to orient your perspective So you can look at things a certain way to unlock certain experiences. Once you have the experience, 
you acquire knowledge. You acquire wisdom. And then knowledge and wisdom, which is gained from experience, then is what's able to teach you. So I see beliefs really as a stepping stone. They're important. They're good. But they're also limited to the mental level, right? And we don't want to be in our heads all the time. Otherwise, we're just going to be neurotic, you know? It's important we expand the belief through direct experience so we can develop knowledge and wisdom. And then that becomes what guides you rather than a belief. I have something on my mind because I got an email this morning. I sent out a daily email called The Morning Mind Love. And the message in today's was based off of Marcus Aurelius, one of his quotes that I was inspired by. But it really is a teaching that goes back through almost every spiritual discipline that I've ever studied. And it's really the the idea that our problems are within. Even when they seem external, they're within. And almost every time I post something like that or I share that teaching, I get like 10 people that reach out and they're like, this was exactly what I needed to hear. And there's always one that's like, this is from a place of privilege. <laughs> this, you don't understand real struggle. And I understand where that's coming from. You know, I've, I've heard that so many times. I understand how that belief is held. I understand that people have gone through things in life that I will never understand. I also understand that I've gone through struggles that other people will understand, but maybe on a comparative level, one person's can seem objectively worse. I'm not sure. How do you respond to those things or how, what is your understanding of something like that? Because on one hand, for me, that teaching is one of the biggest things that saved my life when I was at my rock bottom. And I think it's true for so many people. It's a flip in perspective. How do you teach something like that without... I don't like to say the word without offending somebody because I also feel like y- mm-hmm. anybody being offended, that's their problem. But I can't say that to somebody if they're offended by me because it doesn't come off correctly. But if somebody comes to me with a trigger, that is always my response. You know, like yeah. I, even if somebody does something terrible to you, it's your dis- you have to figure out what to do next. You know, <laughs> like it's your responsibility, your life to move forward. So I'm just curious, where do you land with a teaching like that? Because I know you've probably been taught that as well or more moved through that teaching? Yeah, yeah. I, it's a big one in the New Age uh, community. Uh, it's an ancient idea. And really, what I'll describe it is like this. It's both. It's both. Clearly, the inside creates the outside, but also the outside definitely has a say on the inside. And what I'll say is this. I'll go back to the, the communist thing, right? Not that I'm anti-anything. I'm just talking about history. I'm talking about what has happened. I'm talking about what's real. So, as I said, right, uh, the CCP back in the day, right, and the communist revolution is what gave rise to that infrastructure, um, tried to wipe out all the Taoists, right, invaded Tibet, right, killing Tibetan Buddhist monks. Did the Tibetan Buddhist monks whom are meditating on world peace and goodness, right, attract in, right, through their practice, essentially murder? You know, that's where things get a little weird. It's like, hmm. You know, in this situation, I don't see how that makes sense. We also look at, not saying this literally happened, could be a metaphor. We look at the biblical story of Jesus, Prince of Peace, ultimate good guy, right? Murdered by the government. Huh, that's weird. So it's a little bit of both, right? Yes, like your challenges are for you, right? They come to you because it's, for whatever reason, a part of your story, Everyone's story is very different. Some people have an easy story. Some people have a really challenging story. Uh, some people, it's a blend of both. 
You know, some people have a life of both. So what I'll say is this, different levels of consciousness create reality differently and create experiences differently. And whatever you need to go through to evolve yourself, to fulfill your destiny, you know, you will go through, right? We are not exempt from the school of life. Life will hand us whatever's part of our story. Sometimes that's heaven, sometimes that's hell. No, it's just what it is. I haven't met any spiritual person who hasn't been through hell. You know, every spiritual person I know has been through hell in some way, you know? So these things from the outside will come, whatever they are, whatever is needed for your destiny will come. Just as you said, you get to determine your response, right? You get to determine what you do. You get to determine how you see it. And that will give you a lot of control and influence over how that situation unfolds. But it doesn't exempt you from the situation. The situation will come. Whatever the storm is, the storm will come. We're on earth. You know, the sun sets, the sun rises. You will experience darkness. Just what it is. But it's it's not a thing to be feared. It's not a thing to be judged. It's not a thing to run away from. If anything, it's a thing to expose yourself to, to build resilience, to only seek positivity, to only seek light, to only seek like blissful, like feel good things is to ignore an entire dimension of life. And it also deprives you of real experience that makes you strong. I would describe it like this. These positive, loving things that we all love. Me too. I love the divine. I love light. I love love. I love these things. If I were to only chase that and only wanted that, I'm like, just that, just that, just that. From a place of not wanting to experience negativity, I'm in fear. I'm actually in fear. I'm in a state of avoidance. I'm running away from life. And I see many people doing that. You know, a lot of people are like, follow your bliss. And if, you know, the thing they're being asked to do by life doesn't look blissful, they'll avoid it. And they're actually avoiding their destiny under the deception that I need to avoid this because it's not for me. Only these loving, divine, blissful things are for me. And they end up running away from their responsibilities. Like, for example, right, it's like follow your bliss, you know, and then your home's messy. And you're like, oh, but cleaning my home's not blissful. So you never clean your home. But then you're even unhappier because now you're living in this messy home. You know, sometimes following your bliss, sometimes following the light or the guidance of the divine or the inner self will get you to do things that are scary, will get you to do things that are uncomfortable. I'll give you a story about this. So there was this period of time I was going through. This was right at the start of uh, COVID, right around 2020, it was right around March, where I was going through a very powerful awakening. I, I've had many, we all get many awakenings. It's not like you just have one, right? You get like these sort of life lightning bolts where you're like, oh my God. And I went through this period of time where I was just saying, I love you to everyone. People across the street, I'd be like, I love you. You know, I'd be on my porch, people walking by, I love you guys, like everyone, my teachers in school, like I said it to like cops and stuff, everyone, like no limit. And one night I'm meeting my neighbor, cause I did it to him and he was like, let's hang out. I was like, sure. And we're hanging out, we're talking about love, we're talking about goodness, he was a Christian actually. And you know, we're just talking about love and I'm not a, you know, a, a formal Christian. I don't really use any labels to describe myself. I, you know, as an identity. Um, but I don't have anything against, you know, Christianity, Jesus. It's like, if that helps you like awesome, you know, uh, cool. But I'm talking to him about this. We're sharing spiritual ideas. A car pulls up and you know, the, all the doors open and immediately I'm like, Hey, I love you. And it's a bunch of robbers. They all have masks on, they have a gun and they come over and they rob us. 
But I didn't stop the love thing. Under my breath, I start chanting, these are my friends, my friends, my friends, my friends. And I knew they just wanted valuable things. They didn't want to hurt us. I have all my valuable things in my possession, but I also have things that I know will be valuable to them that I don't really need. So I lie. I'm like, oh no, I don't have any money, but here I have this. You want this? I started just giving them things I don't need, keeping all the true value. And I just kept giving them things, knowing I was perfectly safe, knowing the divine was protecting me. There's a quote that's in Taoism, and this is, when you are aligned with the Tao, you can walk through an army and not be harmed, right? And I wanted to test it. I was like, that's a teaching I've been given. Let's see if it works. I was like, worst thing that happens is, you know, I get beat up or maybe die. I don't think that's going to happen. I made it this far in life. I'm pretty sure the divine wants me here. Let's see what happens. So I pretty much give them the things I don't want, keep the things I have. My other, you know, people that were with me, my two neighbors, one of them started going into total fear. He's giving them everything. The other one, right, he's a sort of Pentecostal Christian. He starts speaking in tongues. He's like, ah, da, 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 da. and the robber drops the guy's phone and my friend picks it back up. And we got to see, right, each person created their response in a unique way that determined how that thing unfolded. We weren't exempt from the storm. We all experienced the storm. But what we did determined how the storm impacted us. But we still got robbed. I didn't get robbed in the same way they did because I just kind of willingly gave them things I wanted to get rid of anyway that weren't important to me. Um, but that's an example of this. You know, it's like, yes, you do create your reality. Um, yes, your challenges, your problems do come from within. But knowing that does not exempt you from whatever challenges are coming, you know, and we're on earth. We're in a shared experience. I mean, there are certain challenges right now that we're all going to have to face within the next 20 years. Uh, right now, there is a huge issue with topsoil on our planet massive issue where the UN is predicting famines in uh, about 2035, I think, in the United States, around the world, because of monocropping, because of how we're treating the soil. That's coming. That is coming. That's not like, I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. I'm not exaggerating. This is official government documents. Scientists around the world know this. Farmers know this very well. That problem originated from within, out of ignorance, humans not knowing how to farm. But now, here it is outside. So it's, it's both. It's both. And with the soil, there's a lot of movements right now. Uh, one of my favorite yogis, uh, Sadhguru, is doing a save the soil movement. I encourage everyone who's inspired about that to save our soil to research save the soil, uh, org. It's either save the soil or save soil.org. You should be able to find it with a quick search. But get involved. Go to a community garden, plant trees, because that affects everyone. And that's external. But the solution to that is internal. It starts with us getting inspired, coming together, taking actions, and then that external thing transforms because we can save the soil. We just got to change what we're doing, you know, but we need to get everyone involved so that happens. So I hope that answered the question. It did. And now I'd love to actually open it up to some channeling. Uh, who Do you have somebody who comes through regularly now? Do you have multiple mm, entities sure. that come through? So right now I primarily, primarily channel Ryok. Um, now at a certain point, I'm going to be bringing through more entities. I'm having some that I'm regularly working with on a daily basis internally. I'm still crystallizing that relationship though. Right now it's hermetically sealed. So that way it's just me and this being building a relationship, building energy. At a certain point, I'll start to bring that being through as well. But for now, Ryok, yes, is the primary being I bring through. I've been bringing him through for 
probably almost three years now, you know, daily, I do about three sessions a day. I give myself max like five days off a month. Every day I'm channeling. It is all I do. So, um, this is the being I've built the strongest relationship with, you know, because of that, uh, routine. So uh, we can bring him through and you can ask him some questions if that sounds like a, a fun idea. That does. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, thanks for all your wonderful questions. I, I'm just sort of saying temporary goodbye now because I'm about to sort of leave so we can come in, but I have enjoyed all of your questions and, um, really great ones too. I think we covered some beautiful information. Yeah, I so. agree. I'll bring him in and then um, have had a go for as long as you like with him. It'll take me just a few minutes to get into the state, so a little bit of silence on my end. But uh, it's a pretty quick uh, immersion, just a few minutes of meditation. And when he comes through, it'll be very obvious. <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> so I'll see you at the end. This channeling session is available for premium members only, and it's kind of wild. So if you want to hear what Ryok has to say, join MindLove Premium at mindlove.com premium. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. That was a blast to do. And uh, for everyone who listened, I hope you got a lot out of this, a lot of fun, a lot of big topic sometimes i'm surprised at what he gets into you know i'm like whoa okay looks like we're talking about this today so i hope that was uh was uh, insightful and delightful for you well for listeners that are interested in learning more about you the work that you do your channelings and how to work with you where's the best place for them to connect yes they can find me on youtube my youtube page is health thyself and i should come right up uh, you can also find me through my website thegalacticguide.com and yeah, we can link up there. I do private sessions. I do one-on-ones. I also do trainings. If you're interested in learning to be a channel, if you are interested in learning how to use energy to manifest your reality, to uplift your life and the lives of others, uh, you can find me on there for sessions and we can work together. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com x77. Your challenge for this week is to try to identify some of those subtle energy body blockages. Remember what Tyler said about doing a body scan, moving your awareness from the crown of your head slowly down through the chakra system and noticing if when your awareness is at a particular spot in your body, if you suddenly feel a well up of emotion or as though your awareness cannot move through particular areas. When you feel that, spend more time in that area. Notice if you can feel it release by bringing loving attention towards that blockage. Ask questions when you feel the blockage. Why am I feeling this? What emotion am I feeling? Where does it come from? What do I need to do to move through it? And trust that you have the knowledge inside of you to release those blockages. Because remember what we said in the beginning of this episode, your beliefs create your reality. If you don't believe there's any truth to any of it, it's going to take you a lot longer to get there. But if you go all in with a self-experiment like we talked about last week, then you have this ability to see things that you wouldn't see otherwise because you're not turning off the possibility altogether before you even try it out. So see how it feels. 
leave a comment right on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash x77 or reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. There are so many ways to support Mind Love if it means something to you or if you get value from it. And the best way is by joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com slash premium. You can also support my amazing sponsors and you can find a list of all of those at mindlove.com slash sponsors. And finally, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. I appreciate all of those levels of support. And honestly, I just appreciate you being here. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time.